You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. judging from like society in terms of where we are at this moment in, t- moment in time and um, we had a discussion in regards to um say a marriage a marriage so a marriage not necessarily being about love but um about like kind of raising a community i don't know if you remember that conversation mason we had probably about a week or two ago so um in order to spot a deal breaker you must first have a deal to know what you want from the relationship whether it's love sex or financial um your relationship um, may have some or it may have all of these deals what one of these deals can break your long-term relationship What's the financial one doing in there? Um, this actually came from the book. It was in the book. <laughs> that's, that sounds like some kind of agreement. Um, it does sound like an agreement, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, finances might not play a part in your relationship, and it might be a case, you know, I love you and I'm here for you, and not necessarily the money. So we can remove that kind of from the table. But I mean, as we had a conversation very recently with a few other people as well in regards to love or a marriage not necessarily being about love but kind of raising a family together and love sometimes has to be moved to the side I'm just thinking we all might be different whereas I actually totally disagree with the fact that it has to be about obviously it's about raising a family but I think love is primary kind of primary for me personally um so love is something that I wouldn't really kick off the table whereas sex might be something you might negotiate and obviously financial or the financials might be something you might be willing to negotiate in some way, shape, or form. So it's one of people's opinions on what they're not willing to continue with as such. Let's rephrase it again, sorry. Okay. In order to spot a deal breaker, you must first have a deal to know what you want from the relationship. Yeah. Love, sex, financial. Your relationship may have some or have some... All, sorry, it may have some or all of these deals. Which one of these deals can break your long-term relationship? Well, I think... <laughs> Any and all of them can. Sorry, I don't think he's gonna get frustrated. No, I I can't really comment. I mean, I'm I'm trying to. If you fall out of love, someone that can break relationship. If the sex isn't good, that can break relationship. And if the if the if your finances are not quite there, you lose the house. That can break relationship. Of course. What's the point you're trying to make? Because I know you're, there's a point you're, you're you're trying to make. No, I'm saying you might be willing to say, okay, yeah. money might not be my, money might be an issue at this moment in time, but yeah. I'm actually willing to continue with this relationship. Do you know what? I'm gonna. You right. understand? Go on. No, no, I do understand. But do you know what? There was I was speaking to someone earlier today actually, and that's and it's to do with finances actually. So, a friend of mine, um, he was telling me that. His, we was we was having a, a general chit chat, and then I said, "Oh, what does your um Mrs. His sister do? Because the older sister, she's got a couple of really really nice houses in Eden. Mm-hmm. So what does she do? And she works for a, a massive massive company. I'm not going to say the name, and she's head of like their global something something. I'm not going to go into job title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I goes, oh, "Okay, what does the husband do?" And he goes, and what my mate said was. When she met him, yeah. he was a labourer, like on a construction site. Mm-hmm. And she actually saw, she actually really got on well with him. Um, and she actually said to him, look, do you know what? You can do better than this. And she actually paid for him to go on IT courses. He ended up um, going through, um, getting qualification in IT, set up an IT company and has now recently sold it for a couple of million. Okay. And, that, and your point about finances, I feel like if you meet the right person, and obviously finance is always going to come into it, but finance shouldn't be an issue if you found the right person. You can work 
like money comes and goes like you can work at that long term and it's all about kind of finding the right person who you have a connection with mm-hmm. fall in love with and all the rest of it and obviously now they're 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 pretty happy but she said from day one I think it, from day one, that could have potentially been a deal breaker, mm. but she was willing to see where it went. And obviously he made that change for her because mm. he was willing to say, do you know what? If you don't think this is good enough, I'm willing to try and make an effort. And she supported him. I think support is really nice. And actually, if mm. I go back to what, if I could think of what a deal breaker would be for me now, I think an unsupportive partner, because, you know, if you're kind of trying to run a business or do something else in your career that's important, if your um, relationship is wreaking havoc with that by being really unstable or your partner doesn't approve of your work or isn't understanding of things that could be a really big problem and I think in the past I definitely made the mistake of trying to prioritize people because they had a job that sounded cool or they were doing something impressive and I actually realized that in the end first of all I didn't particularly necessarily get on with that kind of personality I just sort of like butt heads with them and instead having a supportive guy was worth more than you know anything that financially you could bring to the relationship because I think in fact you are a team and you're a partnership and as you said money can come and go sometimes you have financial obstacles my parents certainly did when we were growing up but it was the strength of their relationship that enabled it to get through and so that's why I find it I know we're going to come to this a bit later maybe but what you're talking about defining a man or you know that high quality guy mm-hmm. and I think it says something really off about guys who are maybe currently in between jobs within the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now there is a lot of negative connotations when it comes to men if they're I mean, yeah, as you said in between jobs and things like that. It's a very rigid I just find it's quite a rigid view of masculinity. Yeah. Or defining men, you know, I find obviously maybe it's just, you know, the, it's the book of the context of the book, you know, whereabouts in the world this person is based, if affluent, you yeah. know, Western society. Yeah. But I find it a bit, you know, like how we talk about a lot of problems between um, men and women or how we spoke earlier about how women face this negative social penalty for around ageing or being single. I think that goes both ways. And actually, guys can sometimes find it really difficult if they're, you know, below average height or they're not uh, they're not earning in a particular role. Yeah. And I think in order for us to progress forward and actually make better decisions about who we form those relationships with, if we want a bit of compassion for our shortcomings, which we all have as people, then we should give that compassion back. And I think you should be willing to not have such as, you know, not every woman should be aiming to date someone who's six foot two and works in finance and is a homeowner. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? Um, I don't feel it now because I'm of an age where I couldn't really care less what Western society says (laughs) how I should be or behave or what kind of relationship, what kind of woman, that person I should be, basically. But I remember when I was like, 15, 16, 17, those kind of ages where you're starting to get sexually active mm-hmm. as such. And I remember, like, I mean, I'm qu- I'll quite openly say I lost my virginity at 17, but a lot of my friends, they lost at 14, 15, 16. I remember feeling this pressure. Yeah, I remember pressure. feeling this pressure. And I remember, like, I'd done all the kind of stuff with that sexual kind of stuff with girls that most kind of people had done, well not most I'm generalising yeah, but age. a lot of people around me had done at that age and, was, and then I remember I even had to like for a while I was lying saying oh yeah you know like we we banged yeah but like um, I didn't lose until 17 and going back and even when I look back now I'm like that was too young I wasn't actually mentally ready it was just the peer pressure yeah. like like 
I just felt like I needed to. I felt like I was I wasn't a man. I wasn't I wasn't part of this group. I wasn't obviously sought after. I always got told I was cute, and I was like, I don't want to be cute. Like I want to be this sexual I want to be this sexual goddess that you're like. You have posters up on your wall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's right what you say in that like there's like some people never lose that kind of never develop this sense never develop this kind of own like mental barrier or own kind of just develop themselves to an extent where they don't they don't conform to social to like kind of maybe western social pressure or pressure from kind of their environment yeah no i agree i agree definitely did you have any questions french normally you've got plenty no, but i know we've got a lot yeah. of questions but um do you know what PG, because I'm no, going to move on otherwise. If you so have no one to watch yeah. chapter, you can move on to? Uh, four. No, go on, move on to chapter four. All right, so in the book, um, one of the things mentioned from Dr. Bethany Marshall, she generalizes and says the most difficult men fall into five personality types. The script writer, the man in charge, the man without fault, the invisible man, and the little boy who poses as a man. So I'm going to start with the script writer. The scriptwriter decides who you are without consulting you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Have you ever had a partner like this? And that's to Haley, and even to the guys. Have you ever been with a female who kind of knows you better than knows yourself? Can finish your sentence even though it's mm. the incorrect ending to, to what you was gonna say? No, I've never, I've never been with anyone that could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I haven't. Um, Have you been that guy? Well, that finishes people's sentences or... Yeah, like that, that knows that... No, knows. I don't. Do you know what's weird about this book, though? Like, yeah. all of these kind of... The skit writer and the different... Yeah. Different terms. I don't know any of these guys. Like, I don't really know any of them. You know, I think... I, maybe I one of them... Guys. Maybe one of them, I think there are certain aspects... Which one is it, actually? There are certain aspects that I could say, all right, I may, I may have some of those... Oh, I As you're looking for it, yeah. when I was reading the book, I was thinking, who are these people? Exactly. Right. <laughs> who are these people? It doesn't, the book doesn't actually mention how Dr. Bethany Marshall gets to her conclusion of these five types of guys. I just think it makes for a nice chapter, doesn't it? Or a nice few chapters, a nice structure for the book to yeah, conveniently yeah. break down all of humanity into like five archetypes. But people yeah. like archetypes, so it gives them something to go towards. Um, I definitely haven't had any scriptwriter experience myself yeah. but I did watch this really good um, video I'm going to be honest this isn't my original thought it's from School of Life about this particular subject which is the idea that in a relationship sometimes um, whilst you might want to develop and grow your partner like pushes you back to that older version of yourself so it'd be like mm. saying things like oh but you don't like house music mm. or you never get up in early in the mornings so you're not going to go to that and yeah. that kind of patronising things keeps you limited when actually your internal dialogue might want to change. Yeah. I was going to refer back to the invisible man as what she... Who's the, what's the invisible man do? Um, basically... Or not do? The invisible man is emotionally constricted and frequently shuts down in the context of intimate relationships. Now, one of the first parts that I did note down is... It says he prefers spending time by himself rather than with others and he relishes the social isolation that most people fear. And I thought, that sounds a bit like me, like mm -hmm. a little bit like me. But um, are men generally placed in these kind of categories, would you say? Well, like, as, I think as Hayley just said, it yeah. just makes for a good, a yeah. good book. Good book. Yeah, I yeah. think people are basically complicated and quite multidimensional. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think... 
as much as it's nice to have like a sort of horoscopy approach to things, it can be temporarily rewarding. And you know what else it does? Again, it, bleating back to the same point, it, it does take away responsibility for yourself from yourself because you're like, oh, you're at this. Yeah, exactly. You know, rather than relate realizing it as a relational problem, you make it about a blame the other person for being in this category problem mm -hmm. rather than something that's two way. Yeah. Did you have anything else, Prince? Um, no, 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 mm -hmm. I was on that part. P, do you no, wanna? No, no, no. No? Okay, so I'm gonna move on to the man in charge. Mm -hmm. So the man in charge <clears throat> is intolerant toward people and situations he cannot control. Um, so when I was reading through this book, I remember thinking, if my girlfriend read this section, mm. she would say this is me, the man in charge, okay. and I would say it wouldn't. It, I would say it wasn't. Yet, and the book also says I would. I would say it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, because we've. So we just went away for the week. I'd got back today. We went to, away for the weekend to Brighton, and like on the way back, she was like, oh, like she always. She always yeah, she was like. Um, <laughs> Oh, you know, we're having such a fun time, and you say something, you just ruin the moment. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. You give it and can't take it back. That's all it is. It's banter. But it's like I realise that I'm actually like some of the stuff she said. I have to. I have to appreciate that. Like I'm, I'm quite like hard. Not hard, but like I can take stuff. And I, yeah. And I, I like if someone says something to me, I think I'm. I'm the type of person. I'll more take it as banner. Or if it's something that's that's intended to be cool towards me, mm. I can just take it and absorb it. Mm -hmm. And I have to realise I have a person So you were saying about earlier on, you were saying about um some people being more um, we might call them needy, but they're more actually emotionally um available. Mm -hmm. And that probably describes my partner, to be honest, in that she is very much like PDA, let's go, and I'm very much like, no, that's for the home or that's for behind closed doors. Mm. And she's just like, I want the whole world to know that like we're together and I'm happy with you. And I'm like, why does the whole world have to know? It's just what's between us. I'm all like that. So that's how our relationship is. And when I was gone... No, just when you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of the previous season that we spoke about um, in Attached. Okay. The attachment mm. styles. Yeah. So it sounds like an anxious... It feels to go from the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds like an anxious kind of thing, but that wasn't necessarily a negative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know what? Reading this book and all the kind of the the five different stereotypes of your common man, like it made me because I really like the book attached. Have you heard of the book yeah, attached? Yeah, I've read it. I love that book. Oh. Yes. <laughs> okay, win. I'm just thinking, though, yeah. you guys are informed in this room, you know what I mean? It's like a panel of dating coaches. <laughs> in the making. Yeah. That's the reason you're here. We're yeah. like trying to join your team. Can we join your team? No, but I loved that book attached. I loved it. And even though I, I, I came to the realisation, OK, maybe everyone doesn't fit into these three characters secured... Um, anxious. Anxious avoidant. avoidant. Yeah. yeah. I... Um, I still loved it, and, and I think at the time, um, I um, there was a test that also comes with the book you could take, and I think at the time, the person I was seeing when we read that book, I definitely categorised them as anxious, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, this book is the gospel. It is the it is the Bible. In like, yeah. It is the modern-day Bible, like, for <laughs> relationships. So, like, but obviously now reading this book, and I was just like, I'm not quite agreeing with these categories, and I'm like, actually, oh, no, that oh. first book, it just happened to fall into place at the right time. And also, time. to go back to Attach, I think whilst it's not like entirety of reality that we're all these things it's a nice model it's like it kind of makes sense and it's a good way of viewing as a good lens to view dating and relationships through yeah. whilst this kind of stuff it just feels a bit more like it's as i said it's there as a literary 
yeah, thing yeah, or yeah, to yeah. create the style around the personal development, but rather than having purpose. Whilst we're on the subject of books, do you ever advise anyone to read any books? All the time. Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a big fan of Esther Perel's work, okay. of course. She's like without fault <laughs> as okay, a person. Okay. Mating in captivity, that's really good about sex in long-term relationships. Um, the State of Affairs, another yeah. really good one on infidelity that she's come out with. Um, so I've also chomped my way through. I was like, I went on a mission for a year or two of reading like a lot of the big hits of yeah. dating because I wanted to be sort of aware of what else was out there. So like why men like bitches, yeah. the yeah, rules, yeah, yeah. Oh, the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's on our list. The yeah. why men like bitches. I started reading the game. So Andrew's got the game and he gave it to me for about a week and I read about 20 pages. I just couldn't, it just Loved wouldn't, it, man. Yeah, it wouldn't sit with me. I was just like, what is everyone, this? Crap? Everyone like, I gave it to just passed it back on. Yeah, I just couldn't get into it. I was like, this is foolishness. But Bants, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Funny. Cool. So moving on to um, chapter 13, Hayley. So there's, uh, and this chapter's called Breaking the Deal. And on page 194, there's a great story, and it's Cal and Lauren. So they, just to give you a brief summary, they met in high school, fell in love, said they would get married after finishing college, all that kind of Hollywood romance kind of stuff. They moved in together after college. Um, rather than, and then after that, rather than proposing, Cal, the guy in the relationship, went to medical school. Then he opened up a practice as an orthopedic surgeon. He built a career for himself. Lauren, who obviously had this kind of dreamy, we're going to get married, 2.4 kids, big house, by the time I'm 26. It didn't quite work out for her like that. So Lauren constantly asked about marriage and Cal kept up, kept saying, let's build a future. We need, you know, we need a better house, we need a better car, I need a better job, I need to own my own practice, I need to do this. So he kept saying, look, just give me another couple of years, give me another couple of years. I'm embellishing a bit, but this is the, what I got from the story. Mm-hmm. Question to all of you. Yeah. Um, have you ever kept putting off a promise made to a partner? And why? Second part of the question, is it wrong for a partner to put off or delay a promise made to the other in the pursuit of success, maybe in their career or, or yeah, maybe in their career, in their, in their long-term kind of goals and ambitions? I think um, in a past relationship, I may have put off, I guess, spending time with a particular, that particular person. But that was, again, I was, I was in the middle of starting a new business. Mm-hmm. and I didn't really have the time to give as much as I would like to. And I was hoping, as you said, for support. And I, I didn't... I was initially... Sa- she said, oh, I'll, I'll support you and I'll, I'll give you the time that you need, but it wasn't really in theory. So, yeah, I don't... Yeah, I, I didn't really it's get... It's about change, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard. It's sometimes a change hard to deal with. <laughs> you might mean well, but actually... You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Not you, I mean... I, I mean, know you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you mean, I thought you were saying... <laughs> no, you won't. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think I lost my chain of thought there, now. Okay, no worries. Um, For me, there was yeah. like three really... There was three kind of bits to that, yeah. and I think you did well to identify like fantasy idealism of when that prom- promise in inverted commas was first made i think it's important to acknowledge that again for very frustrating but for some people when they say they're going to do things that means like i'm going to do it yeah. for other people they say they're going to do things because it feels nice in the moment and it's like a romantic thing to say and they're being a bit whimsical and it might not be as sort of written in stone so i think again identifying when people have just different versions of because I'm a real like starter finisher and I'm super logical and I'm really direct. And so usually if I say something, I'm like thinking I'm already done it. But that doesn't mean that everyone operates in the same way as me or that my way is of being is superior. You know, it takes different times, different circumstances. 
Secondly, I would think that there's something there about people demonstrating their love in different ways. Um, I had actually a client I was working with a couple of days ago. And, you know, he said he was, I had a lot of respect for him as a guy. He said, you know, he was talking to me about whether he could repair his marriage. And he said, you know, I maybe wasn't the most emotionally open over the years, but I tried to build the house. I went out, I tried to provide. So he'd come from, yeah, this very traditional masculine way of showing his love through acts of service and provision, which might not be emotionally rewarding to her, but it's not that he's not showing love and care. So another really important thing is to remember that different people show and demonstrate love in just different ways. And obviously you want to try and find someone who speaks that same love language as you, but it's not to undervalue because it does sound like he's contributing to that relationship. Uh, I would say about her, I don't know, what, remind me what was her name? Lauren. Lauren, what in the hell has she been doing for the past five years, you know? Um, I think you just, again, it, it's, I know it's difficult and it would, you know, if he then turns around and decides that maybe, you know, he wants to have a break from the relationship or do some other stuff, I can understand why she would feel an injustice has been brought towards her, would feel wronged, and would feel really let down. And I do think there probably needs to be some more accountability there because there's got to be a point in time where you go, you know, actually being real here... I might have said that, but what I really meant to say is this. However, I think she's kind of got herself into quite a disempowering position by building her dreams solely around somebody else. And whether you're a man or a woman, I think that's always problematic. And actually to have other things that give you self-esteem in your life... Um, are fundamentally important. So if you have your own career, your own passions, it doesn't have to be money-orientated. It could be friends, it could be social goals, it could be family. There should be other stuff in your life that's sort of propping up your self-esteem so you don't have to be reliant on getting to a certain level of relationship status in order to feel good about yourself. And I bet if she went out there and she said... By the way, babe, I've got a, like got a job just starting on the East Coast. But I'll catch you on the weekends. I bet that would rustle him up, you know, to actually spot on, do something. Spot on. That, that actually, when you were talking, that reminded me of one of the problems I had in a previous relationship was that almost the weekend would come and I was relied on to, to be the entertainment. Right. But if I'm not there, then it was almost like I would get um, moaned at for saying, oh, you're not here. Why, why aren't you here? Now I've got nothing to do kind of thing. I'm like, well, find yourself something else to do. What like, did you do before me? Exactly. Do you know no, what I mean? No, but seriously, like, you, you must have obviously done stuff that, that kept you upbeat, that kept yeah, that was see fun. Friend, find a hobby, do, do you know what I mean? And it was, it was constantly that, and that's where the issues used to come, was like, I can't, I'm not able to spend the time with you, and the time that I'm away, you're not literally doing anything. You're kind of twiddling your thumbs, waiting for me to come back and... Which puts a lot of pressure on you. And then you also feel like there's no way you can make her happy. And then you don't get the reward of feeling like you're contributing positively to the relationship. You're just yeah, thinking, exactly. I'm just bringing her upset, so what's the point? Um, and actually, I think it's one of those things that goes both ways. Like, as I mentioned, I'm quite a stickler around, like, quality time is my yeah. thing because I have literally such a teeny amount of free time that I want to spend that time, like, a lot of the time with my partner or my really best friends or family, like, my really close people. Um, but that being said, I, you've got to realise that 
waiting at home for someone to come back is no way to establish that. And in fact, a bit of Esperel talks a lot about this space and independence and going out and doing your own thing, though you might want to sort of mold into one person and watch Netflix. <laughs> what creates that sexuality and keeps the relationship good and fresh ish is that ability to go out and, you know, you do your thing, she does her thing, you meet up, you've got some adventures and some new energy to bring into it. So I think space, as much as closeness, is important to a good relationship. There was there was two things I picked up from you, um, Hayley. Um, when you said you're a starter-finisher, I'm a starter and a terrible finisher. Right. I'm, I'm really, really bad at that. And the whole thing about kind of keeping promises, so... I realise I am like that. And you you boys both know that, actually, that I'm, I will start something. Mm -hmm. Best intentions. Best intentions. <laughs> it's like sometimes I just lose the enthusiasm. It's like I have to... If I don't go through with it there and then, whether it's over the space of a day, a week or a month, if I leave it yeah. and then something else comes to mind, it's just like, OK, blasé. Yeah, yeah. I will remember that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> blasé. Um, the other thing was about... Um, you mentioned something about showing like, your love and appreciation in other ways. I'm very much like that. I'm more of a person to buy you, to randomly buy you a gift or or book book a, a weekend away or just do something random. And that's and me showing that kindness, it's like me, without verbally saying it, it's like me showing you, like, this is how I feel about you. You're very important to me. Whereas some people or some females or some males, whatever, mm -hmm. they actually prefer the kind of intimate stuff, the kind of hug, like hugging and kissing and you're so special to me and this is how I feel about you. And you're right about the different languages and communicating that or just understanding your partner and how they are and actually, you know, realising maybe I won't get this in the affectionate way, but the fact he's done that means this. Yeah. So it's really, I'm glad you've come on, actually. You've taught me a good few things. I hope you've also not been too like man bashy because I think that the general no, vibe. No, not at all. No, no and I'm very supportive of men. Yeah, these two are loving it. <laughs> well, I hope so. I think you know. I have to admit here, I didn't read the book, but yeah. one thing that troubled me from just looking at the cover was, you know, the. Uh, so first of all, the cover is I would say Barbie pink, yeah. um, and you know, so it's obviously appealing to women who identify with a very traditional form of what being feminine and a woman is. And then it's sort of holding a man in the palm of the hand on the back, like a little mini Thumbelina man. Yeah. And I think, okay, I kind of get that it's trying to signify power and take the power back and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think the way that we do that as people is by sort of like actively manipulating or being really harsh towards someone else. Yeah. You know, in fact, it's, as you said, I actually really like your like smoking analogy. Okay. And that we had in the, had a few minutes back, which was, you know, it's not about actually telling somebody else how they've got to live their their life. You're just like, this is what I'm doing. These are my values. If we can find a midway ground and yeah. comes, that's awesome. If not, I wish you all the best. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Pete, just just before um, Haley shoots off, did you have any any um, comments? So, is it wrong for one partner to put off or delay a promise made to another in the pursuit nah, of success? No, I mean, success? I'm sure you'll testify to. I'm quite an emotionally open person, so if I make a, a promise, I will generally follow through with it. Um, and in regards to holding anyone back, me, I'm quite big on dreams and stuff like that. So, there's no way in hell I would hold anyone back from going to pursue something they wanted to do. I couldn't do that. But what if someone's made that promise to you, say five years ago? By this point, we're going to be married, or by this point, I'm going to give you two children, and I promise. Promise me. As in promise, as in, yes, we maybe you they definitely want children. Yeah, they make a commitment to something, and you said, you know what, I believe you, I'm going to stick around because of that, and then 
the time comes and they're like, can we give it another couple of years? How would you? Are, are you? Are you? What's your thoughts on that? I think you got. Do you feel of, like being hanging around for that person? It's that kind of. That I think you may thing. feel that way, but I mean, if, if it's no, not, how would you feel? Of course, I'd be disappointed. I mean, I'd be very disappointed. But I mean, if the situation is not right, it's not right, and then I probably need to look at the person and find out where's this person going going with their life. I mean, clearly they've got a trajectory. Kind of, thank you very much alright and if it's not really in line or in sync with me then unfortunately you've got to let that person go it may be very very difficult but that's what you've got to do where to go? Tell me where to go.